is the Mulberry Lane Show. The Mulberry Lane Show. Exclusive interviews, fun, music, celebrities. Your weekend getaway. Now, here's Mulberry Lane, Rachel, Bo, and Ellie Cat. Be a part of the family. Hey, it's Rachel here with your radio sisters, Bo and Allie, and it's time for the Mulberry Lane Show. All right. Yeah. Well, glad you guys are here with us for another weekend of hearing from some pretty stellar creatives. Yes, and we've got a packed show today, so let's get to those guest sisters. All right, let's hit it. The Mulberry Lane Show's on. Celebrity story songs. You're gonna have it going on when we tell you who's stopping by now. We have singer songwriter and folk goddess Katie Curtis. We could all die tomorrow. I'm not gonna live in fear. Don't ever stop giving living a shot. Now, the folk rock goddess label came from The New Yorker, and you can pick up Katie's latest album, While We're Here, and she talks about the next steps in her career, including her plan to stop the constant touring and expanding her songwriting retreats. Katie shares her nuggets of wisdom with you. You're going to love her honesty and realness. All right, Rachel, who's next? Well, then, your weekend will be joined by ABC News anchor, number one New York Times bestselling author, Dan Harris. Woo. Dan Harris had a panic attack on live television, and since that time, he's been exploring meditation and anxiety. His brand new book is called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, which covers all the things that he discovered. You're going to hear it straight from Dan today. You definitely know this is an issue close to his heart. His honesty really comes shining through. Yes, and you may know Dan as the co-anchor of ABC's Nightline and the weekend editions of Good Morning America. We're super happy to have him with us today. Absolutely. Okay, Allie, who's next? Well, then you're going to meet two hot stars, comedian DC Youngfly and lyricist and artist Justina Valentine. Now, they're going to join your weekend to tell you all about the 11th season on MTV of Nick Cannon Presents Wild and Out. Now, guys, this show is beyond crazy. You're going to get all the behind-the-scenes scoop on all the energy that goes into this show that really focuses on improv skills, music, comedy. You've got to be on your toes to be a part of this show. You're going to hear all about it very soon. And you can tune in to Nick Cannon Presents Wild and Out on MTV on Thursday nights. Okay, Rachel, let's talk about who's next. Well, Allie, then it's celebrity and award-winning chef Marcus Samuelson. Now, you might know him from his many appearances on the Food Network, but right now he has his own show on PBS called No Passport Required. You're going to love getting to know this guy as he takes you behind the scenes, the research and the storytelling that goes into this show, which features immigrant communities across the U.S., their cuisine, their stories, and Marcus also talks about his wardrobe. Stay tuned for that a little bit later on in the show. Okay, well, sisters, before we get to the show, I have a Luke-ism to share. Something my son, Luke, said. He has a habit of saying these little zinger lines that always make me laugh. So. Yes, he's pretty good at that. What's the latest, Allie? Well, it was that really hot day earlier this week, I think Thursday, where it was 100 degrees. And we had just finished running some errands, and I said, should we get ice cream cones at Chick-fil-A? They were like, yeah. And Luke said, actually, I think McDonald's ice cream tastes better, so let's go there. And I said jokingly to him, I was like a little 
little particular, are we? And he said, Mom, I'm not particular. I just know what I want. <laughs> well, you gotta love a man who knows what he wants. He knows what he wants in second grade. <laughs> Something tells me there's trouble up ahead. I think so too. I'll tell you what we want from the show today. We want you to stay right there. Katie Curtis, who has been called folk rock goddess by the New Yorker, she's coming up next. Keep it right here with your radio sisters on the Mulberry Lane Show. Music, arts, and lifestyle. Back to the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, the New Yorker dubbed singer-songwriter Katie Curtis, folk rock goddess, and you can pick up Katie's latest album, While We're Here. And like many in the creative industries, she's looking at the landscape of new opportunities and reinventing her musical career. Katie Curtis here today, folk rock goddess her own way, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, that... It was amazing. I've never been sung on to a show with an original song ever before. Thank you. Great to have (laughs) you with us. so cool. Thank Um, you. Okay, so let's first talk about the album while we're here. Now, this really tackles a lot of, you know, everyday life things, but, you know, the overriding concept is living for the present, living for the now and appreciating it. So talk a little bit about what inspired this journey. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think being a musician, as you guys know, it's like, things are always uncertain and you're always kind of making it up as you go along but I think you know in my case during the last few years there's been a lot of change I went through a divorce Mm -hmm. and you know my kids are teenagers which comes with its own roller coaster they're just kind of emerging as teenagers now but you lose close friends as you get older with people getting sick and there was a lot of life happening in the last three years and so I think the record represents both the painful loss and then the joyful resilience of, you know, connecting with people more and again and continuing to follow your heart. Now, like you mentioned, you've been through a significant breakup. So when you go through something that emotional, do you find creatively you shut down or does it open you up creatively? And was there a time when you couldn't write? You know, it actually really opened me up, and I'm never the kind of writer who songs come easily to. I write as a, a practice, like, okay, I promise myself that I'll sit down at the piano or the guitar for, even if I just say a half an hour before I do anything else that day, inevitably I end up playing for hours. I have to make myself write, and during that time, the stuff that I was writing was probably more intense <laughs> than it has been at other points. And then when you get that intense and that personal, do you have to pull it back or do you embrace it? You know, with this record, there was a lot of carefully worded lines. So I, I don't, I don't I wouldn't say I pull it back, but I try to make it universal enough. While, it, uh-huh. you know, you want to find your details to keep the song relatable and real. You know, I don't like too many abstractions. Okay. But then you don't want the kind of details that's going to make somebody feel really bad, you know. <laughs> so, because in this case, I neither wanted to make people feel sorry for me nor to be mad at me. Or, you know, breakups are such a sensitive, people are triggered so easily when they want to know well, what exactly happened. So I try to keep it kind of like how there's no winners in a breakup. But anyway, I try to be, as you can tell from the record, very honest and authentic. And without asking the listener 
to bear my burden. You know, I mean, I, I try to be kind of a just state the facts kind of storyteller. And so people can say, "Wow, I've been there." Yeah, I think yeah. I think in a lot of cases people can find themselves in the songs. That's hope. Now, as a writer, you've always been true to your gay identity, and people have always appreciated your authenticity with that. So, how do you find that place of total honesty without revealing too much? Right. Well. When I was signed, you know, I sort of feel like I have a similar path as you guys in that I was signed to a major label in the 90s. And mm-hmm. at that time, they were really into the idea of me being an out gay artist. Yes. And I think like Melissa Etheridge had just come out and they were like, you can do this. So I never really wasn't out. And I do think that there's been some good things and bad things about it. You know, obviously, like, I just think of myself as a person (laughs) with life experiences that everybody can relate to. And I think there are ways, on the one hand, that it's possible that people who aren't gay might think, oh, I don't have anything in common with her. I don't need to listen to her music. And then when they do listen to it, they find out, oh, actually, we do relate to this. But then the kind of good thing is that there are still a lot of people in this country who kind of need support around finding their gay identity or feeling comfortable with it. And I do think that my music has been able to provide that kind of uh, support, almost like companionship, yeah, for people going through that and realizing, you know, in case they feel alone, realizing they're certainly not alone. Do you feel like in the late 90s or the 90s that the record company kind of promoted that for their own agenda kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I understand that labels have to find a story or a niche to sell music. I mean, I'm sure you guys, it was like, your sister is beautiful. You know, there's so many things that they, you might be like, well, it's more than that. They they have to put their claws in something. And also, like, present it in some way that gets people's attention. Right, you have to differentiate yourself. And, you know, I don't really have a problem with the fact they do that. It would have been worse if they were like, you have to be in the closet. Um, But I do think that because of how our culture is still evolving, it becomes a bigger part of my identity than I probably would have liked it to be. And that, you know, it's not really anything I can control. That's singer-songwriter Katie Curtis here on the Mulberry Lee Show. Check out her brand new album, While We're Here. And here's a sample of the title track to that. We'll be right back with part two of our chat with Katie Curtis. See you right around the corner. Trucks build a whole load of cranberries Across the Sagamore Bridge No one died, thank the good fairies Now I got some in my fridge Commuters waited in traffic stories behind the songs back to the mulberry lane show now here's mulberry lane in the last segment you met singer songwriter heralded by the new yorker as folk rock goddess katie curtis and you heard about her new album while we're here and the final outing tour and now back to part two of our interview with katie curtis 
Now, I want to ask you about your voice. I'm very familiar with your music, and I've listened to your music for a long time. And I've always thought, you know, you feel like it's a friend singing to you, so genuine and authentic. Is that something in the studio that has always been there for you, or is that something that you kind of had to work on sounding so conversational? Uh, Well, I think it came naturally to me because I wasn't ever really taught to sing. I used to lose my voice a lot because I didn't sing the best. (laughs) I didn't have any training. Uh I've been able to get coaching on how to sing without hurting my voice, but to still keep it natural sounding. So I think the part of it that sounds natural has always been there, but the part of it that I'm not damaging my voice, I've had to learn. hard to (laughs) relearn how to sing when you're used to singing a certain way and, and keeping your sound? Right. Most of it was about just breath support and, okay. you know, standing up. <laughs> I would do these radio interviews <laughs> on tour and I'd be sitting down and like I would blow my voice out from, you remember oh, like those, those morning interviews yes. sitting down and you're like, uh, and by the night your voice is half shots. So I think I used to lose my voice a lot too because I wanted to be, you know, perfect for every show and I would stress. And then after a while I went on tour with this guy and it's going to sound bad, but, it, but basically he's like, just have a shot of whiskey and relax. Yeah, <laughs> you know it's true. I, I, a shot of whiskey yeah. does a lot. Every so often, if you're that stressed out and you don't have a problem with drinking or whatever, it's no big deal to you. It's like, it's not a bad idea no. to every so often do that. And, you know, the world's not going to end if you're not perfect. Really, over the years, had to come to a place of stuff happens on stage that you didn't plan on. And, you know, you forget words. It's always fun for the audience if you just kind of involve them in fixing the problem. You know, like, mm-hmm. anyone yes. have a phone up there? Can tell me the lyrics? <laughs> <laughs> Can someone Google my lyrics? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, now, the new model of people making music today, you know, everything is up for grabs now. So yeah. you have just announced that you were going off the road, you're going to quit touring, and you're going to kind of yeah. embrace some new paths. So talk about what that looks like for you. Okay. Well, first of all, I'm scared. <laughs> I primarily make a living from touring, and it's a lot of fun to be on stage. But you know how it is. The impact it has on your family yeah. life is more than you can even imagine if you haven't done it. And so I just need to find other ways to really dive in. And, you know, I already have, like, a retreat business going where I do a couple of retreats a year. So I'm thinking about just expanding and doing. I love being with people in that creative place. You know, it's, it's a songwriting them. retreat, right? It's a songwriting retreat. I know, I forgot to say that part. It's a yoga <laughs> retreat. No, it's a songwriting retreat, and it's kind of opened over the years to a creativity retreat. Okay where some of the sessions like strictly for songwriters but I'm having a lot of fun working with people who just think they might like to write a song or might like to write a poem or a story and it's amazing what happens to people when they're in a nurturing environment without screens and someone's cooking for them and they just come up with ideas it's a very exciting space mm-hmm. to and sometimes live in, they so. have never been in touch with that side of themselves yeah. or it's been a long time right and I I'm a firm believer that the reason we create is because it enlivens us and brings to life a part of our spirit that sometimes is dormant and it's not about like oh I want to go make a living writing it's about how do I bring this joy into my life right. and, and we get you know, so I, stuck with just the daily grind and everything we have yeah. to do that we forget about that right. part of us right and it's so hard to prioritize it when you know you have to do so many other things right. so, and I think yes. interruptions are really hard when you're in that creative space and you yes. constantly interrupted it's like you can never really complete a thought and then you try to go back and get it and it's gone Uh, oh my god that is so true and this is a place where you can spend hours you know you can Mm -hmm. choose to be part of a workshop or you can go off and do some time alone and then i mean there's a lot of laughter and 
camaraderie and you know it's a good thing so if I could manage to expand that part of my life and I think I'm going to be doing some teaching and I'll do some performing you know where I do a workshop and a performance singer-songwriter Katie Curtis here on the Mulberry Lane Show now as you're kind of standing on this new threshold embarking on a new direction do you feel more excited more scared what are your feelings I feel mostly excited. I like the fact that anything could happen. I feel like something might just come into my life that I don't expect. Uh-huh. But I'm, I'm a Gemini, and I really like change. Yeah. Okay. Um, so now the album, while we're here, talking about the recording process, you know, who's on the album and how it all came together. I really was hearing piano and keyboard Wurlitzer in my mind. I wanted it to be warm, really warm, mm-hmm. and to have a drum sound that was kind of a little rough, um, you know, like rough in, a, in an earthy way. Uh-huh. So I got Julie Wolf, who's this keyboard player who played with Ani DeFranco for years, and she brought in her friend John Evans on bass. He plays with uh, Sarah McLaughlin and Tori Amos, and so he's like this soul-sensitive guy, bass player. And then he brought in a drummer friend of his, Matthias Bossi, and so the three of them and me, we cut eight of the tracks just live, and I I kept most of those vocals, so it was really... In the moment, the whole theme of the album anyway. Right, and Julie plays, like, when she plays a chord on the piano, you feel like someone has gently taken their hands and laid them lovingly on your shoulders. Uh-huh. You know, that's, that's the kind of vibe she has. Uh-huh. And then I wanted to do some more stuff. So this other keyboard player, Jamie Edwards, who plays with Amy Mann, he did more keyboard stuff. Uh-huh. We had some electric guitar, mandolin, and harmonies and whatnot. And um, I had a tremendous amount of support from Kickstarter, from fans. And so I really got to be picky and saying, oh, this doesn't sound right. Let's bring in someone else. Let's do one more okay. thing, you know. Uh-huh. So you knew what you were after. Yeah. <laughs> you know you know that experience when something isn't great, but you're like, oh, I'm being too picky. I don't do that anymore. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, it's not great. A lot of times it's a small change that you have to make to be like, now I love it. Yes. Well, we'll be very interested to know what's next for you. We've loved following you. your career and your music. Oh, and we really appreciate you spending time on our show and telling us about the latest. This has been a blast. I love you guys. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to digging back into your music because now I'm like, oh, these guys are amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so, Katie, when the next thing comes up for you, come on back and we'll, we'll talk about okay. it. Okay. Thank you so much. That's singer-songwriter Katie Curtis here on the Mulberry Lane Show. you got to check out her new album, While We're Here. When we come back, meet ABC News anchor and number one New York Times bestselling author Dan Harris. He's going to tell you all about his brand new book. Keep it here on the Mulberry Lane Show and get in touch with your own creativity. We could all die tomorrow. I'm not gonna live in fear. Don't ever stop giving living a shot. Got you covered. 
the Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, you know Dan Harris is a correspondent for ABC News, an anchor for Nightline, and co-anchor for the weekend edition of Good Morning America. Well, he's here today to chat about his latest audiobook, Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. Welcome, welcome to the show, Dan Harris. Thank you. I wish I could sing back at you, but you don't want to hear that. Well, you could play drums. <laughs> I do play the drums. That's right. I've been playing since I was a little boy. Um, I'm not very good, but I do. I know how to do it. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. But before we talk about the book, Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, can you talk about the incident that led you on this whole path of meditation? Sure. Yeah. I had a panic attack uh, on national television on Good Morning America back in 2004, and it was very uh, uncomfortable and embarrassing. And... It, but the good side of it is that it really led me to meditation, which I had always thought was ridiculous. Okay. And that's why you wrote this book. And it is for people who, like you, have thought meditation is kind of silly. So talk a little bit about who this book is for. The book is for fidgety skeptics. But, you know, obviously it's really for anybody. But I wanted to be clear that signal that, look, meditation has a series of big PR problems. It suffers from all these misconceptions. Sure. People think they don't have the time to do it, or they think that it somehow requires magically clearing your mind, or that you have to believe, you know, in the special religion. And so this book is designed to knock away those myths and misconceptions and actually make this practice easy, user-friendly, and doable. Okay, so now your business is extremely cutthroat and competitive, and I think, you know, a big fear for people is, especially for those in intense careers, how do you meditate and get yourself really calm but still maintain your edge? Yeah, the the goal of meditation isn't to make yourself supernaturally calm or anything like that. It's just the benefits are that you will be somewhat calmer, although there are times in your life when, you know, you need to be tough and aggressive. But yeah, I think overall you'll handle life's ups and downs a little bit more calmer. The other benefit is it boosts your ability to focus, which is a big problem for many of us in this technology-drenched era. And then the final benefit is that it makes you less emotionally reactive, less yanked around by your emotions. And all of that, all of that boosts your edge in a professional context. There's a reason why people in the most competitive industries, CEOs, Elite athletes like the Chicago Cubs and Novak uh-huh. Djokovic, entertainers like Lena Dunham and 50 Cent, the U.S. military, both the Marines and the Army. But there's a reason why these really high-performing folks are embracing meditation, because it boosts your edge, not the other okay. way around. So now, right. what do you think it was about you that allowed you to turn your most like embarrassing and difficult point into a victory for you and also reaching out to help others? I think this was like a really, uh, I don't, I'm not necessarily a believer in karma, but it really was a very fortunate, serendipitous marriage okay. here because I am trained as both a skeptic and as a storyteller. Okay. And I, I happened to stumble upon meditation before it got cool. I mean, now meditation is kind of in the air uh-huh. um, and, and people are talking about it, but I started meditating uh, not because I'm cool, but because I just yeah, I was in pain and I needed some help before the trend took off. And I yeah. saw an opportunity. I saw that that there were no books talking about meditation with a sense of humor and maybe a little uh, you know profanity here and there and telling uh-huh. embarrassing stories about the author. 
most of the books, it always sounded like there was a pan flute playing in the background or right. something like that. And, uh-huh. and so, so I wanted to talk about it in a fresh way. And I had training as a storyteller and a broadcaster. And so I just used my own personal experiences uh, in a way that I thought would lower the barriers to entry for people, make them comfortable. And, uh, yeah, that's what I'm out here trying to do. Journalist and best-selling author Dan Harris right here with you on the Mulberry Lane Show. You have a series of books and a podcast, 10% Happier. So at what point did you feel this was bigger than you? Well, I'll be honest. Well, I, re- I wrote my first book, 10% Happier, a couple of years ago. Okay. And I didn't think anybody was going to read that. And it turned out to be really successful. When that happened, I decided to kind of triple down on it. So okay. I started a podcast with ABC News called 10% Happier, where we interview celebrities and meditation teachers and all sorts of people about meditation. I started a company also called 10% Happier that okay. teaches people how to meditate. We have an app that's available wherever you get your apps, and you can, we teach you how to meditate through there. Okay. And then I decided a couple months ago to write a follow-up book called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics, which is much more of a, a how-to book. And that is available in print and also in audiobook form. I mentioned that because the audiobook is a great So now I know what your next book has to be. Tell me. Okay, it has to be how you manage your time to get all of these things done along with your regular career. How do you? (laughs) (laughs) It's a pain in the rear. Uh, Do you sleep? I I definitely have. uh, I will tell you that I really do not skimp on sleep. Okay. Uh, that, because you can't function if you're not sleeping. But it's a daily balance of trying to figure out, you know, how am I going to get... I love my day job at ABC News, so I don't want to give that short shrift. I have a wife and a child, and that's really important. And so really just figuring it out day by day, making priorities, and trying not to make myself crazy. And I'll tell you, I have failed at times where okay. I have made myself crazy. Um, but I'm just continuing to learn uh, and grow as I go. But I really consider myself very lucky that I have so many things that I want to do. Right. Uh, so I'm not trying to complain about it. I, I sometimes <laughs> refer to it as drowning in chocolate. <laughs> hey, that's not a, bad, not a bad thing at all. And before we let you go, you've also talked about, in previous interviews, meditation for creativity. So one of the points of our show here is to remind the listener how important their own creativity and creative voice is for their happiness. So can you just speak to meditating for creativity for just a moment? Yeah. Look, what meditation does is help you turn down the volume slightly on your inner chatter. We all have a voice in our head, by which I'm not referring to schizophrenia or hearing voices or anything like that. I'm talking about the inner narrator, this kind of nonstop conversation you're having with yourself all the time. And when you're unaware of that nonstop conversation, it owns you. It it gives you terrible ideas. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, you should eat 48 cookies or you should say something that's going to ruin the next 48 hours of your marriage or whatever. So when you turn the volume down on that, when you have some distance from your inner narrator, it makes room for other stuff. And one of those things is creativity. I find, as a result of my meditation practice, that I have more and better ideas. That is not to say that every idea I have is brilliant. I have a lot of dumb ones, too. But because I'm not stuck in habitual cycles of rumination uh, as much as I used to be, it frees up bandwidth. Yes, exactly right. Okay, Dan, we want to thank you for joining the show. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Likewise. Thank you. ABC News anchor Dan Harris here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Be sure to pick up or download his book, Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. 
Well, stick with us here on the Mulberry Lane Show. When we come back, you're going to meet hot stars DC Youngfly and Justina Valentine from the MTV show Nick Cannon Presents Wild and Out. Meet you right back here. We've got you covered. The Mulberry Lane Show. Now, here's Mulberry Lane. Well, the 11th season of the MTV series Nick Cannon Presents Wild and Out returns July 12th for more crazy challenges, outrageous comedy, and musical performances. Stars of the show, lyricist Justina Valentine and comedian DC Youngfly are going to join your weekend right now to tell you what's in store for season 11. Welcome, welcome to the show, DC Youngfly and Justina Valentine. That was amazing. That was all right, dude. Welcome. Welcome to the show. Awesome. <laughs> that is the best sing back we have ever gotten. Yes, that's great. We love it when people sing back to us. <laughs> okay, guys. So now you have to tell, how would you describe the show for someone who hasn't seen this crazy, outrageous show? Justina, how would you describe it? Oh, man, I would say the show is like no other. It's comedy, it's music, it's improv. It puts you on a stage that will put you to the test, and if you can't hang with the rest, you're going to be out of there. You're going to be out, over with. There's nothing like our show on TV, and I think that's what is the appeal to the audience and to the fans. There's nowhere where you can see a show that does what we do at that high pace. Wow. And then DC Youngfly, now talk about what you need to bring to the show. I mean, the improv, all of the skills that you have to have to remain standing in the show. Talk about what it takes. Man, one thing about it, this show is basically, you just got to go off with faith of your comedy. If you don't, you can't create comedy. You got to let comedy create itself. Okay. That's what, one thing, when you're on stage with 12 other of, of your castmates, that's your sisters and brothers, how can you be scared? All you got to do is just go out there and have faith in their comedy, and it can bring the comedy up out of you. And what will we be seeing you do this season? Oh, one thing about me, I'm so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm on a couple episodes, but I was shooting TRL, but we're, we're currently shooting season 12 right now Okay. In, in Atlanta. Season 11 is so lit. Crazy. I'm mad that I couldn't be on every show with y'all. Yeah, you know, DC was busy. Doing this TRL thing, but when DC is on the show and gets the mic, it's dangerous. Okay. So what he's going to do, you know, DC is one of the, the best in the game. And season 11, to me, I think is going to be a season to go down in the history books. I mean, from the guests we had to the new games we played to the huge moments and laughs and Brooklyn's energy. Okay. A match. So excited for the premiere. Each season is in a new city, right? Yeah, sometimes we'll double up. Like, for okay. instance, my first season, 8, was in L.A., okay. eight, 9 was in Manhattan, 10 and 11 was in Brooklyn, and now 12 we're filming at ATL. All right. So, Justina, now talk about what it's like with the cast and crew behind the scenes, backstage, hanging out with Nick Cannon. What's that whole environment like? Can you describe that for us? I mean, being with the cast and crew behind the scenes means being around some of the most talented people in the world. You're talking about the cream of the crop in comedy as far as lyricists and rappers go. So to be around that and to be able to gel with those type of people brings out the best in you. I bet. To be around Nick is a, is a daily inspiration because Nick is such a boss. He's such a forward thinker. He just opened up a Wild and Out restaurant in Miami. You know, Nick always has a new venture going on and I just respect it and I love him forever. He gave me 
my start and my platform that I needed. So to me, Nick can never do any wrong. Yeah. Like, like she said, she put us on a platform, you know what I'm saying, to showcase our talent. And one thing about him, he's the humblest guy you'll ever meet. Yeah. You know what I'm That's saying? That's nice. That's I mean, cool. Accolades got a thousand of them. Yeah. But he's never going to put that in your face because he wants you to be great as well. That's yeah. awesome. Now, we don't have a lot of time left, but I want to know from each of you, what's the one thing that you tell yourself before you start the show? Like a pep talk you tell yourself. Do you see Young Fly? I pray. Okay. I, I pray before every show. Yep. Okay, I, and Justina? Yep, I always thank God. I thank the Lord that I'm here. I ask him to, you know, keep blessing me and be able to show my talent to the world, use me as his instrument, and then I look in the mirror and say, girl, you the bomb! <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's great. All right, well, you guys have to come back and chat when uh, season 12 is up and ready to go. Yeah, I got love to. We lit. Thank you, okay. Alex. Can you lead him out with a song? Let's do it. All right. Thank you, Allie and Rachel. Yeah. All right. Love Thanks, it. Thanks, girls. You're welcome. It's amazing. I love it. Thank right. you so much. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Well, that was DC Youngfly and Justina Valentine from MTV's popular music and comedy show, Nick Cannon Presents Wild and Out, airing on Thursday nights on MTV. And before we let you go, we have one more special guest for you this weekend. Well, he's a celebrated and award-winning chef who's inviting you to come along on his trip across the U.S. Marcus Samuelson explores all the diversity in American cuisine and culture on his new six-part series, No Passport Required, which airs Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central on PBS. Now, Marcus is here now to let you know what you're in for when you tune into No Passport Required. Welcome, welcome to the show, Marcus Samuelson. Wow, I don't think I've ever been introduced like that, so thank you very much. Yay. That's amazing. Oh, great to have you. <laughs> okay, Marcus, so now you have to let us know, how did the show come about, and did you pitch the show? What went in before this aired? <laughs> Uh, this was really something that, for me, it's a dream show for me, being an immigrant to this uh, country and be able to share my story, but also the story that so many immigrants share, right? Yeah, I remember one day I got an email from uh, the guys from Eater, said, hey, we want to talk to you, and five minutes into the conversation, I was like, hey, where do we sign up? Okay. And um, then we got uh, lucky enough to get PBS on board, and you know, when you have a hub like PBS, you can really do all the groundwork work and all the amazing research that the show like this deserves, but also what Eater provides is this sort of great local regional knowledge about food, so to, to have these two amazing hubs uh, and then be able to like find, you know, really unique stories and share really what America looks like uh, today in, in many cities. Okay, now each episode features a different immigrant community in a different city, so how did you decide where you would go and what you would feature? Well, the hardest job was really to figure out, pick the cities and pick who we're going to feature because there's so many. But we wanted to cities like Detroit, for example, such an iconic place with all the ups and downs that Detroit's been going through, showing something really positive. And when you go to Detroit and focus on Dearborn and the 
Arab American communities, we started to see that, you know, when you hear about immigrants, it's not a monolithic conversation. It's highly diverse. Right. Even within the Arab American communities, so we learn about the foods, the entrepreneurship, the holidays. We go to Lebanese wedding. We, we meet a refugee family that just came here two months ago from Syria. We meet uh, someone like Samir that's been in the country for 60 years and owned this business for 50 years. So mm-hmm. this false narrative that immigrants are not contributing and, and so on, it's something that we want to show that this is completely just falsehood. And here are people that are super patriotic, uh-huh. loves their country, and are contributing in many ways. Now, storytelling have- is a huge part of the show. Did that part come naturally to you? Do you feel like you're as much a storyteller as you are a chef? Well, I think part of cooking, when you learn about a recipe, you realize that some recipes have been in for thousands and thousands of years. So once you start hearing about the stories from that recipe, how it came to the family, you know, it humbles you and you want to honor that story and listen to how the family held on to it, whether it's through the Vietnamese community in New Orleans that we go to, you know, that came here after the Vietnam War in the mid-70s, or it's a Haitian-American community. You know, there's a soup in Haiti called soup jumon, which is a pumpkin soup, which for you and me, maybe it would just be a pumpkin soup, but it's actually the soup of independence, mm-hmm. and it's a much, much bigger meaning in Haitian culture, and once you hear stories like that, you were like, wow, I didn't know that, and mm-hmm. it's going to make you think about, oh, next time I see a Haitian time for a Haitian restaurant, you go in, and then you know a little bit more about the culture, and you feel a little bit more like... A little more connected. You know, connected to it, absolutely. Uh-huh. So now, how much research was necessary for this, and then how much was it kind of scripted versus you found out something very surprising and it took the story in a different direction? You know, we worked on it for over two years, 18 months, and then, you know, shooting it and putting it together. So it's been a long journey, but once you get into someone's home, you can almost forget the script. You just want to, okay. you know, once you're cooking with an auntie or a grandma and you're messing up their food, you got to get pushed <laughs> aside and you're just going to go and listen to what she has to say. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So you just went with it. I had to, you know, uh-huh. like, yeah, it was all about don't mess up my spring rolls. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, that's awesome. If you're just jumping in here on the Mulberry Lane Show, you're listening to well-known chef Marcus Samuelson, now the host of a PBS show called No Passport Required. You're hearing all about it here on the Mulberry Lane Show. So now what was the craziest thing you did in this six-part series? Well, I mean, I recommend everyone to go to this place, La Barca, in Chicago and eat some brain tacos. It was absolutely amazing. Okay. You know, we all love tacos, but sure. next time you have to have some brain tacos. So when in Chicago, you got to have some brain tacos. Some brain tacos. <laughs> so now, okay, I have to ask you about your wardrobe because you are a very cool dresser. Were you in charge of your wardrobe or did someone dress you? Oh, no, of course, of course. We have to, like, you know, that, that was the fun part of the show, right? And, you know, we shot in the middle of winter sometimes. It was freezing in Detroit. It was so cold in Detroit. And then it was super hot in Miami. So we have a lot of stories about the wardrobe. And we lost a couple of bags and a couple of <laughs> bags that got dropped on, on my friend Nina's foot. And, you know, there's a lot of stories about this. We can do a whole show about the wardrobe and the bags. Oh, that's awesome. So now, this show being about immigrants, you have a very fascinating story yourself of making your way to the U.S. So can you share with our listeners your story? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I was born in Ethiopia and raised in Sweden and came to this country in my early 20s. So, you know, having this dual sort of 
window into culture, the Ethiopian and African culture and Swedish and Scandinavian, but then lived in New York for the last 20 years or so. So I, being an immigrant in this country, I can relate to these stories. You know, both have been, immigrants sometimes make you more patriotic because you, you're extremely grateful to the new country you come to. And this has been a dream of mine, always to live in America. And that's a little bit what I got from these stories, the hardship for them to get here, to leave everything that you know behind, to come travel to a new country, uh, just because it could be better for your children or, or for your family. Mm-hmm. This is about giving up something, but also about gaining something, hopefully. What that is, is very different for each family. And I, for me, it was a delicious journey. I ate well everywhere. Uh-huh. I was going to say, you know, when it puts it in the context of something that we all have in common, which is eating and food, and it does connect us in a whole new way. Absolutely, and it's not just about the food. For me, they, we were introduced to music, we were introduced to art, spirituality, and all of these things that makes life good and interesting, and it, it, hopefully it evokes people to travel within the country, but travel with a different lens. Next time you do come to Miami, you know, you can go to South Beach, have fun, but then stop at Little Haiti. You're going to be introduced to food and culture that you've never seen in your life, hopefully. Or next time you come to New York, you fly into Kennedy, stop in Queens and go to Little Richmond and try some roti or some, you know, chicken curry or something like that. And there's There's no passport required for any of that. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And and I think we can do that. I think we can travel within our country the way we travel when we go abroad. I really do. And hopefully it will be something that evokes a little bit more curiosity. Yes, yes. All right, well, it's been wonderful getting to know you and hearing about the show, and we will be traveling with you on Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. on PBS. Thank you, Marcus. And keep singing. Thank you. Thank you. That's celebrity chef Marcus Samuelson here on the Mulberry Lane Show. Make sure you check out No Passport Required. And Marcus, thanks for telling us all about the show, sharing your culinary journey, and what we can expect when we tune in. Thanks, Marcus. Okay, sisters, who else do we need to thank? Okay, well, a big thumbs up to journalist Dan Harris. You guys know him as the co-anchor of ABC's Nightline and weekend editions of Good Morning America. And Dan, thanks for telling all of us about your new book, Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. I personally can say thank you because I also have suffered from panic attacks. And there's some great tips in the book about the benefits of meditation, decreasing anxiety, and helping with depression. That's right, Allie. And Dan, thanks for bringing this book to life for us. Okay, sisters, who else? Well, high fives to comedian DC Youngfly and lyricist and artist Justina Valentine from MTV's popular music and comedy show, Nick Cannon Presents Wild and Out. You guys have got to tune in Thursday nights on MTV. This show is crazy. Yes. <laughs> DC and Justina, thanks for bringing infectious energy to the show. You make us want to tune in and watch all the antics. And we got to say thanks for singing back to us and singing us out. <laughs> that was pretty fun. And finally, we got to thank folk rock goddess Katie Curtis. Katie, thanks for stopping by and telling us all about your latest album while we're here. You're welcome back here on the show anytime. Great conversation. That's going to wrap up another show. You guys, make sure you join us same time, same place next weekend. Bo, stay happy and stay blessed. Allie, don't forget to be awesome. Rachel, don't forget to create where you are. And that's a wrap. We'll be looking for you here next week. Baby, take